Welcome to episode six of Hold Down the Fort. I'm Michael, joined by Vinay and Rohan. Sam, do you care to introduce our special guest for this? Yeah, today we have a very special guest for us. This is our, well, I guess technically our first guest ever on the main episode. We've got Connor here. He's going to come in. He's going to give us his input on this on this uh, NFL championship weekend, give us some of his bets because he's been on a tear recently, and uh, some possible hockey talk, and I think a, uh, a little preview of a very special surprise segment we've got coming for you. So, looking forward to having his segment on. Let's get straight into this. We got a packed slate. We're gonna start off with the NFL. We got, like I just said, championship weekend. Um, but before championship weekend, the Chiefs, you know, took care of their business against the Jags. I know it's been a while since that's happened, but you know, here we are to break that back down. Chiefs handled the Jags 27-20, but Mahomes did get injured during the game. Do we think the Chiefs can beat this loaded Bengals roster with a hobbled Mahomes? Michael, what do you think? Oh, yeah. Um, I think they can. Uh, I think Vegas also agrees. They have them as a one-and-a-half-point favorite now. Uh, I think some reports came out saying that, you know, he'd be healthier than probably people expected. Um, I don't know. I I don't think you can ever really count out Patty Mahomes. I mean, you look at his playoff experience. um, He's he's, he's proven that he's, you know, elite, probably the best quarterback um, in the NFL right now. He's my, uh, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Um, I think he has enough weapons around him um, to beat the Bengals. Um, I don't know. I think if that, if their defense shows up, I think this is going to be like, I, <clears throat> the way I see the game playing out is I think both teams will be able to score. I just think whichever defense shows up and is, is I guess, executes, um, I guess, to a higher degree limits mistakes. I think uh, whoever, whoever can do that is going to, is going to come out on top, but, uh, yeah, I think I think he definitely has a shot. Uh, I actually, uh, when we get to the best bet segment, I have the, the Chiefs winning this game. So, yeah, I don't think you could ever count them out. So, definitely. No, in, in my opinion, it really comes down to the fact that I think that the Chiefs are going to really miss Tyreek Hill in this game. Um, what we've seen from Mahomes in this offense this year with a whole new cast of weapons is that they've really matriculated the ball down the field. That's been their mo. And it's been very successful, number one offense in the league. But you saw less of those explosion-type, take-the-top-off type plays. And when you think of a coordinator like Lou Anaremo, uh, he has the blueprint, basically, the Bengals' defensive coordinator. This guy has found a blueprint to stopping the Chiefs three times in a row in high-profile games. And you know, by default, what he likes to do is he likes to send only four rushers, drop back everyone else in coverage, and make the Chiefs matriculate the ball down the field. And I'm thinking guys like uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going to have to blow up. You're going to need Isaiah Pacheco to get large um, numbers of yards after the catch. Uh, I think those big plays, those two players are going to really have to step up. Um, But I don't think the Bengals can – I mean, I don't think that the Chiefs can match the Bengals in terms of their offensive explosion. I think the Bengals' defense is going to force them to matriculate the ball. I think Joe Burrow can still take the top off of this Chiefs secondary. And, yeah, I, I see the Bengals winning this game. Rohan, what do you think? I mean, yeah, I can't really mo- offer much more of a tactical analysis than what Bidet just provided. So, I mean, really, you know, some great work there in terms of, you know, analyzing, you know, the past and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, the thing that, the, that you know, the Bills just failed to do when, when the Bengals came to town was to stop the run. And when, when Joe Burrow established a run early on and, 
you know, the Bills just kind of, you know, fall on the back foot. We were just never able to recover. So I think the Bengals just need to get off to a stronger start um, in, in Kansas City. And that's like the only chance that they have to beat the Chiefs is to catch them off guard like they did in Buffalo. Uh, they show that they can do that in a hostile environment. Let's see if they can go to Kansas City and do the same. But yeah, um, but I do think that the Chiefs will be able to to, to stop the Bengals here. And I do see Patty Mahomes coming back and winning. Yeah, I agree. And and we've seen while you do say that, like we gotta remember Joe Burrow is still three and against Patrick Mahomes. Two of those games have been in Arrowhead, or as the Bengals players like to say, Burrowhead. Uh, I feel like they're getting a little too cocky for my personal liking. And and seeing Mahomes be healthier and healthier, I think he really has um like a vengeance sort of sense to him. Like he needs to come in, he needs to get revenge. He wants to really get this AFC championship under his belt because, you know, just to segue a little bit. We were kind of seeing after the Bengals dominate the Bills. Now they're coming in this game. If Bengals win and, and Burrow's now 4-0 against uh, Mahomes, a lot of people are gonna are already kind of calling Burrow the best QB in the NFL. But I think if he wins again and is 4-0, this, this debate is going to he- heat up really even further. What do you guys think about that? Is Burrow potentially the best quarterback in the NFL with another AFC championship win over Mahomes? Back-to-back years in Arrowhead. And he would be four and zero against Mahomes. What do you think about that? It, would he have the right to say he's the best QB after that? Um, go ahead, go ahead. <clears throat> um, you know, it, it's a convincing argument to say that he he could be seen as as the best quarterback in the NFL. Me personally, I don't necessarily think that. You know, if, if the Bengals win, it'll be solely because of his contributions. Um, I think that you know the question of who the best quarterback is extends further than wins and losses. I think, you know, if you throw Patty Mahomes and you, and you give him the ability to, like, throw to guys like Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, like, I think, you know, this we probably wouldn't even be asking this question right now. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think that the outcome of, of that game is going to change anything for me personally. Um, I could understand how it would change for other people. But uh, for me, I would still take uh, Patty Mahomes over, over, over Burrow um, and probably Josh Allen as well, um, even if Burrow was to win this next game. You take Josh Allen over, bro? Uh, I think I would. Oh yeah. wow, okay. I I used to think that, and then but I, I kind of, you know, stopped after seeing what happened this weekend. It's just like yeah. looked like Allen was, I don't know, outmatched ever since Dable left. Yeah, he's really been regressing since the since Dable left for New York. Yeah, I don't know, but you have a yeah. I don't think Joe Burrow is going to be the best quarterback in the NFL so long as Patrick Mahomes is still in the NFL. Yeah. Um, I just think that. Yes, you can look at the head-to-head matchups, um, but when you're scrutinizing two individual players and you're putting them side-by-side, Mahomes is going to win the MVP this year, let's be real. Even if he loses this AFC championship, he is going to be sitting on two MVPs, a Super Bowl title, and four straight AFC championship games. And another Super Bowl appearance, for what it's worth. Exactly, and another Super Bowl appearance. So the deck is already stacked in Mahomes' favor. It will be stacked after this game. Right now, the only thing that Burrow has is is what may be back-to-back Super Bowl appearances and, you know, two straight head-to-head. But everything else, I think that he still has a long ways to go. I mean, Mahomes, the achievements that he's had, throwing for 50 touchdowns, I need to see that type of season from Joe Burrow to even have this conversation. I still think that Mahomes is, is leaps and bounds ahead of the rest of the competition. Burrow is close. He's extremely efficient, but, you know – I just don't think that a head-to-head will will give him the crown over Mahomes. Yeah, I think there are things that 
Mahomes can do that Burrow will never be able to do in his career. I agree with that. I think that's what separates him. Uh, Rohan, you have anything? Rohan? Yeah. Uh, really, honestly, I think y'all just put it best. Cool, cool. I, I agree with everything that was said. Yeah, I mean, I'm get, unfortunately, a lot more people than I would like to see say that Joe Burrow is the best are, are going to feel that way. I just think all the accolades are in Mahomes' favor. And the only thing Burrow really has going for him is that, you know, he, he would have all these wins against him. I think another factor that we don't look at as much is, like, look at everything Joe Burrow has around him. We've never at any level seen him perform at a high level without a stacked deck. You know, you go to LSU, you got Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, everything. Your O-line is defensive. You have Derek Stingley on the defense. Like, everywhere around you was uh, talent. And then you get to the NFL, and the one year that you don't have the deck stacked in your favor, we don't even get to see you play, really, because you get injured. And then you come back, and now you've got Jamar Chase, who some say is the best receiver. And like you guys just said, you have all these other weapons. So I can't say he's the best until I see him do it without some weapons. Because I've seen Mahomes now. I've seen a whole year without Tyreek Hill, and he just got an MVP. So well, that's just- important to consider that Mahomes has had Andy Reid. Andy's had the benefit, benefit of sitting behind Alex Smith in his career. <laughs> yeah, but now we've seen Joe Burrow's coach. Now people, everyone wants to give Joe Burrow's coach credit now and say that Zach Taylor is – you know, he's a final narrative with Joe Burrow and Taylor is that Burrow is making Taylor look like a good coach. Yeah, that, that's fair. See the say the same about Andy Reid and Mahomes. I think that's more of like that, a, that's a valid point. It's definitely a valid point. Connor, what do you think? anything to say about Joe Burrow over Mahomes? Uh, I personally like how Joe Burrow is a very resilient quarterback. How whenever he gets either slightly injured or major injured, he kind of walks things off. So I think that grit can yeah, help him bouncing get, back off of an ACL injury the yeah, way he did by going to a Super Bowl certainly. I think that's impressive. that's going to help him a lot more than you know Mahomes getting all this press about just a sprained ankle that he seemed to walk off pretty quickly. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just the grit coming from Joe Burrow. And yeah, and kind of like when you're saying that, like we have to remember how much Joe Burrow gets sacked, even though the offensive line has been this year or better this year. Uh, you know, I I kind of heart back to the Tennessee game last year where he got sacked nine times in a playoff game and still managed to win, which is always impressive, you know, and he's good. I just, me personally, I can't call him the best until I see him, you know, keep up these winnings, get some accolades, and do it when you don't have the cards stacked in your favor. <clears throat> yeah. All right, I think that was a great conversation. On to kind of the next question. Um, so the, the 49ers take care of the Cowboys. Pretty low-scoring uh, battle. Uh, Defensive war. Yeah, 19-12. Um, so this is the second straight year in a row they've beaten them. Uh, how confident are y'all in Brock Purdy leading this 49ers offense um, to the Super Bowl? Do we think it's going to happen? I guess I'll start with you, Sam. Yeah, I mean, uh, I heard the other day, I was, you know, researching for this and thinking about it because I have been a fan really like this year. I've been really interested in the story. But the rookie quarterbacks obviously never won a Super Bowl and are 0-4 all time in championship games, whether it's NFC, AFC. So it's really interesting because, you know, this is a true rookie, a mystery relevant, the very last pick in the draft. And now he's put in this position where you can potentially go to the Super Bowl and do what's never been done. Uh, you know, he's got uh, the Niners have an, uh, an all pro in every single positional group on the team. O-line Trent Williams, receiver Debo, running back Christian McCaffrey, uh, defensive backs. You got Fred Warner. And at safety, Tuafonga on the line, Bosa, every single group except for quarterback is an all pro. So the, the, if any quarterback is going to do it, it's going to be him. We haven't seen him look like a rookie yet. You know, he wasn't great in the Dallas game, but he still had his moments. Uh, I'm interested to see this weekend. I think the Eagles are going to win, even though I'm rooting for the Niners. 
But um, let's see if, if he can keep it up and he plays a good game, it is going to be a really interesting offseason with him and Trey Lance both on the roster. Yeah. Um, Connor, did you want to add anything Sam said? Or? Uh, uh, about when talking about Mr. Irrelevant, he's very good when he's pressured out of the pocket, but I think – A lot better he, than Jimmy G when yeah. it comes to mobility. But I think when coming into the playoffs, he got – a little bit too cocky when coming out of the pocket. So I think if the Eagles somehow just only pressure him to get out of the pocket and the O-line decides to fail, I think the Eagles will probably take it a lot quicker. Than That's a good Eagles. point. There was a lot of turnover-worthy throws in that Dallas game that could have gone the other way if it was better defensive backs back there. Yeah. Uh, we kind of want to start on, on that side. Uh, Rohan? Yeah, I mean, again, not really much to offer here, but um... – I am rooting for Brock Purdy here. You know, y'all know I always love to take the underdog, and Brock Purdy is definitely oh, Jesus. in the NFL this year. Um, so, like you know, like Sam said, he has all the weapons to do it. He just has to go and do it. And do I think he can do it? Yes, I can. So, I am rooting for you know the 49ers, mainly because I have a lot of family and friends who are Eagles fans who I don't want to win. So, <laughs> you know who you are, family, um, family? and friends, yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I do have a lot of fans. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, uh, definitely. You know, if the 49ers do uh, pull it off, uh, it's going to be a testament to not only you know Brock Purdy, but I think it's going to be more so what you know the rest of the offense and the rest of the defense can do to kind of. Let's mention Kyle Shanahan and whatever he can scheme up to take the pressure off of Purdy. Exactly. Yeah, you know, like you said, he 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 is a rookie. No matter what, if he's Mister Irrelevant or not, he's still a rookie. So he, you know. You know, other other people on the team are going to have to step up and kind of, you know, help him out. And, you know, it's going to be a team effort. I think if the team steps up, uh, Brock Purdy will be able to, you know, take them and beat the Eagles. But, yeah, I, I am rooting for the 49ers to win. Yeah, I think just to touch on what Sam said earlier about, you know, if Purdy pulls this off, he can maybe create a conversation in the offseason with him and Lance. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't see that happening, uh, even if he plays – outstandingly in this game uh let's not forget that the Niners traded up to get Trey Lance and invested a lot a high draft pick in this man and we still haven't seen him prove himself over a long span of time uh he got injured this year who's to say that they wouldn't be in this position with him and I'm honestly not that high on Brock Purdy Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't see this NFC championship game being close Uh, I think that you know we've seen him in in the comfort of a home home game, Kyle Shanahan system, but the Eagles defense is extremely, that's secondary. That's very fair. And I don't really see him being able to test that secondary with high level throws. I mean, you see the throws that he's creating, they're wide open uh, receivers that are being schemed wide open and against an elite secondary, in my opinion, the best in the league. I just highly doubt that there are going to be that many people wide open. He's He's going to have to, yeah, he's going to have to throw people open. He's going to throw in tight windows. I don't trust him to do that in a hostile environment. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I hope he proves me wrong because I'm rooting for the Niners, but not too high on his performance. Yeah, I kind of want to corroborate what um, Vinay said. You know, there's a reason why Trey Lance was such a better prospect coming out of college, and it's because he has he has more talent, right? Uh, I think that, you know, even – I don't if- know about more talent. It's just more physical capabilities. Like, there's just more – there's a higher ceiling. Yeah, and 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 talent, in my opinion, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not very high on Purdy. Um, I think it's very, very difficult for a rookie to come in and win that big of a game. 
Um, there's a reason why I don't think like any rookie has won a Super Bowl before, right? Um, yeah. I don't, you know, history has a lot to say about that, and it, and it makes sense too, right? Like it's, it's not something that's easy. Um, so yeah, I mean, the the question is interesting there, right? Because the question we asked is, can Purdy lead them to a Super Bowl? And I think that you know this game might be close, um, in my opinion. But if it is close, I don't think it'll be Purdy leading them to it. I think yeah, it'd be more of a champagne sport. Uh, getting him there. Um, I don't think that he's going to, you know, make any f- fantastic throws to keep them in the game. I think if they have a chance in this game, it's going to be because he hit the wide open guys and he limited mistakes. Um, yeah, not- it's going to be turnover. Turnover is the key. You just if you can hold yeah. yourself off from turning the ball over. Yeah. So so to answer the question, if he if he is the one that's going to lead them to a Super Bowl, uh, I would say no. Um, I'm not even sure they're going to win the game. I probably would pick the Eagles if I was a betting man. Um, which I am, so I am picking the Eagles. Anyway, next question. Eagles dismantle the Giants 38-7. to um, A bit of an embarrassment for the Giants. Um, I don't know. We didn't really think this game would be too close, did we? Uh, yeah, I know we recorded. We, we dropped our, our pod last week. We, we kind of predicted this as well. But um, I guess the question that you proposed, Sam, is, is, is Daniel Jones, you know, a quarterback, one of the future for the Giants? Um, I, I guess I'll just start. Uh, I don't think he is. Um, I don't think he has like the talent to be a top 10, consistent top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Uh, when you look at his performance this year, he's not making like amazing throws or reads downfield. Um, most of the time, it's his first progression. He's throwing right to the guy, to the primary receiver who's schemed wide open, right? Um I don't trust him to make big time throws and big time games. That's just me personally. I don't think I, I have never seen that from him. I don't think we will see that from him. Um, so I don't think that he is a consistent option. If you want to be a true Super Bowl contender, if you want to keep getting to like the second, maybe third round of the playoffs every year, um, you want to build like a huge supporting cast around him, maybe. But if you want to, I think, win a Super Bowl, you have to have someone who is a consistent top 10 uh, NFL quarterback. I don't think he's that guy. Uh, Benet. you're not that guy. <laughs> um, you know, with Daniel Jones, um, I think that for me, it's more like we, we were in a league where a guy like Jared Goff, if you look at him statistically, he has arguably had a better year than Josh Allen. Um, there are a lot of guys where you look at the talent and you look at the production and you say, oh, wow, it's surprising that, you know, Jared Goff could have this much success in the league. Or, you know, a Josh Allen could have this much struggle uh, late in big games. For Daniel Jones, I think what I saw was I think he has the ability to, you know, he's not like the flashiest of players, but I do like his ability to have a solid ground game. I think that Brian Dayball has schemed an offense that's really quarterback friendly. And so like a Jared Goff, it, it likens me to like, the Lions, you see what happened when the Lions got a multitude of weapons with, you know, a quarterback that could handle the job uh, and make make the throws he needed to make. And so I think that if the Giants get a, a cast of weapons similar to what the Lions have in a quarterback friendly system that Brian Dayball has schemed, I think the weapons could really turn Daniel Jones into a serviceable starter with a strong defense. Um, I think it's worth it to invest in him. I don't think there's anything in the field that's better than Daniel Jones right now. Uh, the QB class, you know, their draft pick is not super high. I don't think they invest in new draft uh, in a new quarterback. 
And I think that Jones can be a serviceable starter for the future. Yeah. And and let me ask you just a quick follow-up. Do you think a serviceable starter is is what, you know, rosters, like, what a roster should be happy with? Or, because, I don't know, the way I kind of see it is, like, building around him is never going to be a bad thing, right? Because, say, for instance, you know, you give him those weapons, and for the next couple of years he underperforms. What harm does that do when you, you have the supporting cast, all you need is a quarterback now, right? I mean, so so I guess – you, you still think it's worth investing in him? Yeah, I liken Daniel Jones to Jalen Hurts, actually. I think there's a big, like, comparison there because both of them are on, like, a run-first kind of – a run-heavy scheme uh, that's an elite run, running scheme. And both of them are the sole uh, focuses of that because of their dual-threat ability. Mm-hmm. And the difference is we saw what happened when Hurts got A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. I think you give that to Daniel Jones. He does just as, if not better – than Jalen Hurts in that situation. They're very comparable in my opinion. And again, it goes back to the weapons. Uh, we look at what Jalen Hurts was before the weapons. We can compare that to what we think of Daniel Jones at the beginning of this season or now, you know, not really completely sold on him. Then when you see him with the weapons, we're sold. So I think there's still a lot to see there for, for Daniel Jones in terms of what he can do with the full supporting cast. Yeah. Would, would the rest of y'all kind of want to chime in? Yeah. It was really interesting because, you know, you get Dable and, and, and all of a sudden he's able to kind of erase all the problems that Daniel Jones had. You know, the interceptions come way down. The fumbles basically disappear. So he's not turning the ball over. And he made a huge leap from year three to four. And it's just really intriguing because this was the first year. And, you know, a quarterback usually pops in maybe the second year of a new coach's system. So I think next year is kind of the determinant for him. And, you know, with the question being, do I think he can be the QB one of the f- future? I really don't know. Because, I mean, next year is going to be his year. Uh, he had no receiving help this year. Like, nobody. I mean, if you can tell me who Isaiah Hodgins was before about four weeks ago, you know, props to you. You know, more football than I do. And, and I mean, he had Saquon. That's a good run game. But really, you're throwing to nobody and still putting up some impressive numbers. So I think if they can get him a receiver, give him another year in the system and see how it is next year. Like Vinay said, I mean, there's nothing great in the field. Uh, the QB class isn't exactly elite. But when we look to 2024 and we look at that QB class, uh, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Quinn Ewers, Michael Penix. That's four off the top of my head right there that'll all be in the draft that are, you know, have looked to be more than capable. And I can keep going. I mean, Bo Nix, all these guys. So maybe you draft a QB in like the third, fourth round this year. But uh, I think next year is your final year for him. Franchise tag him because he is a free agent. So you give him the tag. Uh, it's, about, it's like 20-something million dollars, I'm pretty sure. Let him play out one more year. See if he takes another big leap. And if you're not satisfied with him after next year, then, you know, turn to the draft then. Turn to whatever free agency is there, but I think that's when you can trade off of them. Not, not yet. Now, you got to give them one more year before you make a final decision. Any, uh, what do you think? I think that every year there's always going to be someone that's going to come either into the draft or into college that's just going to be, you know, an outstanding person. And I think no matter what, there will always going to. There, there will always be a better quarterback that's going to come into the draft that will replace something or someone. So I oh, think okay. just instead of just, you know, either building off or building a whole team around a quarterback and trying to make that quarterback better, you either you would make a team more solidified and make it so that you can replace a player but still have a very solid team. So you're saying build around them and then look to replace them after you have a team in place? 
Like if he doesn't perform, yeah, if he doesn't perform, okay. yeah, so yeah, you want to have a solid team so you don't rely on one person, right? And then, oh, so yeah, so kind of the 49ers where you make QB friendly instead of QB centric, yeah. where you can put all these weapons around somebody so that you're not solely relying on their inconsistent play. I, yeah, I get what you mean. So imagine, imagine with the supporting cast that the, the Niners have, imagine if they did find. Like a true QB one, right? Like I think, I think we have been saying that for how long? Four years now. I mean, no, I Jimmy know, G, Bud I'm saying, I think, yeah, I think that model of development is one that is that bodes pretty well. Um, I don't know. You uh, just got to have all the right pieces, but I think Dayball's the right guy to lead it. He seems to be an incredible QB whisperer. You know, I think I'm sure we'll talk about this more in the draft. But what about a guy like Anthony Richardson, who Michael and I've talked so long for about how how Josh Allen is the ceiling? You know, if he's there, I think the Giants are 22. I want to say. Uh, somewhere in that low 20s range. If he's there at 22, do you maybe take a chance on a project and let him sit behind Daniel Jones for a year where you can groom him and develop him and into a player that's somewhat similar to Daniel Jones? And, you know, to the Josh Allen, who we all say is the ceiling, I think that could be an interesting topic should he fall that far. I don't think he will, but, you know, we'll, we'll definitely be talking about that more before April. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think – does anyone else have anything to add on the NFL segment? No, not here. All right. All right, with that being said, let's transition into our college football segment for the week. Got some interesting questions. No real news other than one main topic, but just a couple little, you know, debate questions spark up some conversation. But most importantly, Jaden Rashada, the uh, four to five star, you know, ex-Florida commit, whatever you want to, depending on what uh, you want to use. Let's let's set the record that he was a four star. Okay, four star. Sure, four star. He was he did get he's he's a five star on some sites. I mean, it depends where you look at in the composite rankings. Like everything taken into account, he's a four. Like when they're all average. So I mean, I'll just go off that. Yeah, four star quarterback. Industry stands. Yeah, ex Florida signee Jaden Rashada, uh, officially released from his national letter or from his letter of intent, and now he's back on the market. Odds favorites right now have his top five being Arizona State, Washington, Cal, um, TCU. And then a distant five, Colorado. So those are kind of his top five with ASU being the current betting favorite. And, um, you know, with you guys being Florida fans, it kind of ruined your whole quarterback situation for this year a little bit. Now you got to rely on Graham Mertz and, and Jack Miller for whatever that's worth. Uh, but where do you guys think that he's he's resigning? Like, and, you know, he's on the market, probably the top quarterback still available. Where does he play next year? Well, number one, you can't forget the dual sport athlete that is Max Brown. I think he could actually – Maybe not start, but he could be a second-string backup for this team, in my opinion. Um, you know, I actually have no idea how this quarterback room is going to play out um, at Florida. We're going to have a lot of talk about it before. Very, this. very interesting uh, offseason. There's no offseason in college football. Shout out Josh Pate. Um, but where do I see him going? You know, I – it makes sense that that ASU is in his top, like you said. Um, you know, his dad went there. Um, you know, he's not too. The coach has been on him forever too. I think it's it's. They said he was dating back to like middle school, early high school. Yeah, yeah, and you know, he's not too far from home in Cali. Um, would not be totally shocked if he went to Cal Berkeley, but I don't think Colorado is out of the race. Um, you know, I, That's, no, I, definitely. Dion has done some crazy things with really, really high-profile recruits. The only thing that I think is like creating an obstacle for me to say that he has a decent chance of going there is the fact that Shadur Sanders is is kind of the clear-cut number one right now. And, and people know, make it seem like Shadur's only going to play one year and then go to the draft. I don't, I don't know if he'll necessarily have a good enough season to to the point where he can just do that. I think it's going to be two years of Shadur. Yeah, exactly. And you know his 
is um is it his dad yeah, 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 his, yeah his dad is like the head coach and you already know like, exactly yeah you're playing like soccer or like any other record. he said it like he said straight up Shador's your starting quarterback yeah exactly and you can compare this to like anyone out there that's played like sports as like when they were younger or whatever and like the coach's son or daughter's on the team like you already know they're starting they're probably going to be up top trying to be like you know a huge star or whatever and it's just like you know maybe it's not to the same degree in college football and there's not the same amount of drama but you do have to ask yourself like you know he probably has his son's best interest in mind over Rashad is any day or Colorado. So. I actually disagree. I think uh Dion is like a type of coach that will will make his son like earn the spot rather than just giving it to him just because he's his son. Like Shador isn't a bad quarterback. I just think that if Jay he was a four star coming out of high school for reference. He was yeah. a four star like a title yeah, four star a fantastic quarterback. And I think if Jaden were to go compete with, with Shador, he would have a, a a very, very good chance of making the starting position. It, but I don't think, you know, just because Shadour is Dion's son, like, he has a starting position at Colorado. Oh, yeah, but I think it makes it easier for him, or at least um, as Rashad might, like, might perceive it that way. Um, if I had to it also pick, doesn't help when, you know, he said, this is your starting quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see. I, honestly, after Rashada um, got out of that national letter of intent, I haven't really been following his recruitment too closely. Um, but I do think that Vegas um, has, you know, their head on a swivel like they they're keeping up with it much more than any of us are um and i think they're right to say that asu was a favorite um but i don't think colorado is completely out of the race um you never know what Dion's gonna do so yeah anyone else want to add yeah i mean arizona state is favored but the second per the second team on the odds list is tcu at about plus 400 roughly i feel like that's your best spot uh spot to play because max duggan obviously going to the draft he declared sunny dykes proved himself this year to be a great coach. Uh, they've attacked the transfer portal. They've attacked the recruiting trail. They're bringing pieces in. They want to be a team that perennially competes for a playoff spot in a Big 12 championship. I feel like that's his best spot to go for development and winning. But this is all what he cares about. Like, it depends on that. Uh, you know, if he wants NIL money, I'm sure ASU could could potentially compete in that sense. I don't think Cal, like, I, I feel like if he wants to win and develop, I feel like teams like Cal and, and uh, you know, like that are kind of out of the race. I think if it's not ASU, it's probably TCU. I guess I'm not completely opposed to Colorado being uh, out of the picture because we know Dion can do some crazy things like he did with Carmine McLean. But uh, my personal pick for him, like, it depends on what he wants. But if you do want to develop and you do want to win actual football games and possibly start right away as a true freshman, I feel like TCU is the best spot for you when you take everything into account, whether it's weapons, coach, uh, location not too far from home. You know, Texas is a bit far from Cali, but... You know, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. So I feel like TCU is kind of the best spot for him uh, play-wise. You also have to recognize that Duggan and, and Rashad have very, very different styles of quarterback. Yeah, I, I I actually don't mind Rashad's tape. Like, I went back and watched some of it, and he has very capable, you know, physicals. He has a nice arm. He's good mobility in the pocket. I liked what I saw when I went and watched his I just his think it's, like, almost the complete opposite of Duggan, though, right? Duggan is more of, like, a smash mouth. Like, if, if you let him run, they'll put his head down. I don't think... Rashad is the same type of guy. I think Rashad is more of a, you know, Mahomes-esque um, passer on the run. He'll make some really nice throws that maybe, you know, Duggan wasn't seen making as much. So that is also an interesting um, way to kind of view it, right? Like, I, I completely agree that, you know, this is that's probably a very, very good opportunity to make an early impact I mean, in this college. Yeah. It's just when you look at, you know, the type of quarterback Sonny Dykes just recently developed, it'd have to be a pretty big change. Uh, Although Duggan wasn't the starter coming into the year, though, you got to remember that it was a whole different system coming into week one with uh, the previous starter before yeah. Duggan ended up taking that job. 
true. That's true. So we yeah. don't really know what his true system is that he wants to develop. Maybe he can transform it. Yeah, yeah, or, or at least sell that pitch to Rashada enough for him to go there. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, does anyone have any, anything else to add? If not, we can get to the next question. Uh, yeah, so this can... next one is it's a bit of a hard one. Um, so you know, the college football season just ended. Uh, it sucks that it ended. It's my favorite sport to watch, but you know, yeah. we're gonna already start to look towards next year. Do we have a, a top four way too early playoff predictions? I I could go. Uh, I don't know if anyone else. I've got some. Yeah, you go. Go ahead. Go first. Not in any order, not in any particular order. I think it's going to be Bama is going to have a bounce back here under Saban. I think they just continue to reload. I don't think, you know, Saban and, and Bama have been underperforming for their standards. I think that changes. Um, I think Georgia makes it again. It's, it's hard for me to imagine they don't make it. Um, you know, you lose Stetson Bennett, but, you know, they, they could honestly have an upgraded quarterback um, next year. Um, I Brock Vandergriff, I believe, is the favorite yeah. right now to win that starting job. Yeah, and I think it'll be a pretty intense quarterback battle there. They'll find a guy that can do just as much as, as Bennett, in my opinion. Um, and then I, outside of the SEC, I think Ohio State makes it. Uh, Ryan Day finally, you know, beats, beats Harbaugh after not beating him the last two years. Um, you know, I'm not exactly sure who's going to start um, when Stroud. Kyle McCord is favorited for uh... – for OSU, he was a five-star coming out of high school and finally getting his chance. Let's see what happens. Someone, there. someone, someone able to throw the ball well is going to start at OSU. Exactly. And so I don't think that's too much of a worry. They still have an insane wide receiver room. If you see the guys they're bringing in as, as true as freshmen, yeah, exactly as freshmen, two five stars, another four star, plus everybody's returning. You got Noah Rogers. You got um, Brandon Ennis, Julian Fleming, Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Egbuka. That's crazy. ridiculous. Yeah, so I think they make it again. And then my third, my fourth team is going to be a bit of a sleeper uh, coming out of the Pac-12. I got Oregon State actually making yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, finally, somebody else is on the Oregon State. Yeah. I've been yeah. saying it on here since the very beginning when DJU transferred. I said, watch out for the Beavers. Well, you know, I've got someone else on my train. The reason I have them there, I actually looked at their schedule. The only tough games they have um, is Oregon, basically. It's it's and there's some others on there, but like Oregon is the main. Utah at home, and then they go to Oregon. That's it. If they can win, Utah, I think they'll win Utah at home too. If DJU is even serviceable with that defense, I think you've, you've got a real team. Yeah, and I think they win the rest of their games. And if they win one of those games, I think they're in the Pac-12 championship with a very good chance of winning it. And if that happens, they're they're a one-loss team going into the playoffs at most one loss. Uh, I think and the, a Pac-12 champion is going to mean a lot more next year with the way this conference looks. We're going to talk about that in a second, but it's going to mean a lot more winning the Pac-12. Yeah, so so those are my four in no order. Bama, Georgia, OSU, and Oregon State. Another OSU, I guess, right? Yeah, two. All right. uh, yeah, I'll, uh, you know, for the fourth team, I feel like in no particular order, you got to kind of add a fun team in there. We can't just come into this every year saying it's the same four. But I do agree with you on those first three. No order, Bama, Georgia. Georgia's schedule is such a powder cake schedule. It's so ridiculous. You play almost nobody except Tennessee. Uh, I saw this morning, everybody other than Tennessee, like on their schedule, has won seven or less games last year. It's ridiculous. They play nobody until the conference championship. So Georgia, Bama, I think Ohio State finally takes care of business against Michigan and gets in. And then for this fourth team, I'm going to say Caleb Williams gets it done. You know, I know the Popular pick might be a FSU, considering that team is just so clearly the best team in the country, obviously. We all know that. Shouldn't really be a debate. <laughs> but no, uh, I think USC slips in finally in that fourth seed. I think they do beat Oregon State in the conference championship. And uh, Caleb Williams, you know, puts the star power in there. If it's a one-loss, like, USC team, 
and they're going against other teams with one loss for that fourth spot, I think the committee will look at Caleb Williams and just say, let's get this star power into the playoffs as a you know a TV draw. So I think that'll go a long way in putting them in at the fourth yeah. spot. They were pretty close to doing it this year under Lincoln. Yeah, if they had won that last game against Utah, they would have been in, but yeah. couldn't quite finish the deal. I think Lincoln Riley develops a defense a little more in his second year. That's all you need is just an okay defense with Caleb Williams, and you will get in. Uh, good recruiting class, good transfers. So those are my four, USC, OSU, uh, Georgia, and Bama. Yeah. Anyone else got anything to add on that? No, I mean, all I'm going to say is those seem like intriguing like, I, I would not be, like, complaining. There's a lot of teams that are going to be on the bubble for that fourth spot. I think OS or Oregon State, Oregon, USC, those three Pac-12 teams will all be competing. I do think FSU will be competing for what it's worth. Clemson's going to be there with Kate Klubnick if he develops. A lot of teams fighting for that fourth spot. Yeah, I also think it's going to come down to which team is going to send, you know, send two. Or, exactly. Sorry, which conference. And it'll probably be the SEC. I don't think the Big yeah. Ten is going to send two again. I think the only situation in which it's not the SEC is if we have something like this past year happen again, where you know where Bama, Bama gets the two uh, losses, yeah, they don't make which the is possible. Um, yeah, it is possible, and then we could see another OSU, you know, Michigan just slotting in the men. But I don't know. I think I, I don't I, think I don't think that's the way it'll be though. I, I think we'll get probably the two SEC teams, you know, one of the two Big Ten winners, and that fourth spot will just be. Probably one of the best – it has the potential to be one of the best seasons we've ever seen in terms of fighting for that fourth seed. Yeah, and by the way, for anyone out there that thinks, you know, this, the same four teams make it every year, we've had the playoffs since, I think, 2013 um, when we had – 2014, 2014. 2014, that was FSU, Oregon, right? And the same yeah. four have never made it, by the way. So it's a pretty interesting statistic. It's always that, that fourth spot is always an interesting rotation piece. I mean, this year, TCU, last year, Cincinnati – you know, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, all these teams usually slip in there. I'm curious to see who's going to be the team that slip in that last spot yeah. next season. You know, speaking of conferences, you know, I think we can all kind of agree the SEC is probably the number one conference in college football, um, just top to bottom. I mean, even Vandy looked somewhat decent last year, right? Like when they played, well, the- they were just playing bad teams like Florida. <laughs> okay, Vandy, Vandy. Not that we're gonna talk about Vandy for more than a few seconds here. Because it was I'm better than it was they, better than most years. They, they, they have they have come a long way, I think. Yeah. In my opinion. I think the SEC is the best team. Um, or sorry, the I keep saying that the best conference uh, <laughs> college football. Um, I don't think a lot of people who actually watch college football would disagree with us on that front, but. The number two spot right behind the SEC gets to be a, a bit intriguing. Um, does anyone want to kind of give their a take on who the, the second best conference is? Yeah, I've, I've got a really interesting opinion on this for the season because I mean, we all know SEC is the best in general, right? Like we've got it, you're deep, everything. I'm saying in terms of next year alone, like as a one-off year, I think the Pac-12 has a chance to be the best conference in football for one year next year. It is by far, I'm going to say this, this for sure, it is the best quarterback conference next year, purely from the quarterback standpoint. I can name you six or seven right now, and four of them are probably going to the NFL. You can name me two from the SEC next year. You can't even tell me the starters for half the teams right now. Is that, I think that's fair. You can't name it. You can't name me starters. You can't name me Bama starter. You can't name me Georgia's. Bama's starter is going to be a stud. We saw him. Coming. And if it's and if it's Jalen Milrow, then he's not better than most of these Pac-12 quarterbacks because I don't really like him that much at all. I don't know. I I think a lot of that has to also deal with you know, like SEC defenses are so much better than Pac-12. But but like just this year, there's not a lot of like high name, high profile quarterbacks playing in that conference. Yeah. For this upcoming season. I don't know. I feel like there there are a lot of seasons we're not exactly sure who the starters are on all of these teams. I mean, you still got maybe 
Jaden Daniels on LSU. You still have um, Joe Milton at Tennessee. Like these are guys well, who are he transferred because he wasn't good enough to start at Michigan. So that's not exactly a superstar quarterback. Yeah, but I mean, you give him chance to develop in, in the SEC. Well, I don't know. Let's see, I mean, but looking at it right now, maybe okay. Maybe I'll give you at the quarterback position the Pac-12 yeah. a bit better. But like I, I think overall, I think the SEC- I mean, overall it's still the SEC. I'm just saying there's a chance. I mean, let, let's look for a second. If we want to go quarterback for quarterback, Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, Michael Penix. That's your top three right there. That's your A tier of Pac-12 quarterbacks. All probably NFL guys. I think after you know next year. Then let's go to tier two. We got DJU, Cam Rising. That's two more. God forbid Shador Sanders turns anything. That's six quarterbacks already. And I'm probably missing some. Like it, it is just a really deep conference this year in the uh, in quarterback play. That's I just named you six, and I'm guarantee you I left one out that I can't quite. Oh, uh, oh, Dante Moore at UCLA. Let's see what potential is there. If he does come in and play good, that's a five star freshman coming in. So I mean, there's there's a lot to look forward to as far as quarterback playing the Pac-12 uh, going into next year. I think Ole Miss has three guys that could start. At- well, only one of them starting, and the other two weren't exactly, you know, super studs in their respective teams. Yeah, Spencer I mean, Sanders is like 30 years old at this point. He might as well be Stetson Bennett. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe they're better at quarterback. I think that's like a bit of like a, a non-topic there. Right? We're talking about the second best. No, player. but it, it, it is a valid point. Like when we're talking about teams, like I just named you seven teams that are probably that all. Have a, well, no, I named you six teams that all have a chance to be ranked next year. And in, uh, in Utah, Oregon, uh, Oregon State, Utah. I don't know if I just said that already, yeah. but um, <laughs> but and then USC and, and and Washington. That's like that's six teams right there that could all very well be ranked. Maybe UCLA. I still like their coach, and we'll see what Dante is though. That's a lot of possible ranked teams going yeah. into next year. Yeah, I don't know. For me, depth, I think- maybe not the top of the top is better than the SEC, but I think we're going to see the depth is maybe a little above what the bottom, you know, the bottom fraggers of of the of the SEC are next year, like the Vandies and I mean, teams like I, that. I take Vandy over Stanford any week. To be oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, over Stanford. But I just think like I, I don't know if there's going to be a year where like last year where we have six, seven ranked SEC teams. I think a lot of teams might be taking a step back. We'll see though. Like I know, like you know, Florida's a step. Uh, Vandy is not doing doing the best. Uh, I don't know. Mississippi State was like hanging on. Texas A and M isn't exactly in a great spot right now. Yeah, but you have to remember they just had the best recruiting class ever two years ago, and now these guys are going to be starters. So you got guys. Like- uh, most of them transferred out. Evan Stewart stepping up, like you know, he is a stud. I love Evan Stewart. You know, you could be a, a terrible Jimbo could coach terribly, and they're still like. Are probably going to make a bowl game easily. So they didn't um, this year with all that talent, and half of them transferred out afterwards. They were all, I know, they were all freshmen though, and they not all yeah. of them. Um, but yeah, I I think the second best. There is a convincing argument for the Pac-12 to be the second best conference um, in college football. For me, I kind of define best conference um, in a different light. I think it's more. I don't look to you know. I think the Pac-12 could be the second deepest conference in college football, but second best. I personally view it as who has the best chance of sending teams to the playoff. For me, that's the Big Ten. Just because I, I guess that's fair if you that's the way you want to look at it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. If we're, if we're talking regular season, maybe the Pac-12 performs. Or, or you know, like the collection of talented teams. Like we're just, if we're just gonna say who has more better teams than like if I pair if I match up the Big Ten against the Pac-12, Pac-12 probably has better teams. But yeah, you're right. If it's if we're talking about playoffs, OSU and and Michigan have a much better shot of making the playoffs. I think after those two, and then after the, yeah, the, the Pac-12 is just deeper. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. The, the, the Big Ten is, is very top-heavy, but, um, yeah. Uh, Possibly Vinay- Penn State, too, if Drew Aller lives up to the hype. We'll see what, what that's about. Yeah, uh, Vinay Connor, Rohan, y'all have any picks? Um, for for the second best conference. second best conference. I mean, I think from what I've heard between you and Sam, it's been a really intriguing discussion on you know the role of a quarterback, uh, quarter star quarterbacks in determining the caliber of the conference. And I think that in college football, necessarily, I'm not sure like what the role of a quarterback can really be in terms of bringing your team from one point all the way to another. I think that from what I've seen, it, it's mainly a, a question of accumulating talent and accumulating all the talent in, in a certain area. And while the Pac-12 has done a good job accumulating quarterback talent, I'm just like unsure of, you know, the other aggregate factors um, of building like a dominant program, which we've seen in, in Georgia and Alabama. And now we're seeing uh, upcoming teams like Tennessee and a and trying to also bring together that, that extreme juggernaut of talent. Yeah. Yeah. Connor, do you have any, anything to add? Or we can go to our, our – That's pretty well said between you you three. Just yeah. before we move on real quick, just because you mentioned Tennessee, I'm like a huge Nico Yamaleoffa fan. Like, I don't know. Something about him is just really interesting. If Joe Milton goes out there and just kind of like stinks up the joint the whole year and like kind of is what Michigan fans expect him to be, which is not very good. Do, do we uh, – Michael, I guess just for you because you probably have a little more insight on it. Do you think there's a chance they, that some of these freshmen get to start mid or late season that are all these high-ranked recruits if the starters just start flopping? Like, you know, look at Quinn Ewers. Like, if he just kind of sucks throughout the year, do you think they put Arch Manning in? But main focus on Nico. Does he get in if Joe Milton just starts sucking? I mean, yeah, I, I, if he starts sucking, yeah, I think he definitely has Like, a if they lose a lot of big games and they take a big step back from where Hendon Hooker had him last year. I mean, yeah, I think, you know um, – I think you're just going to do what gives them the best chance to win every week. And if, if Milton isn't performing, I don't think that there's anything, there's any specific loyalty that, that, you know, that, that administration or like that uh, roster has to him specifically. I think that they have a way higher loyalty to winning games. And if he can't do that, then I think they would not hesitate to try out Nico, especially performing um, well in practice and and stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, I, Nico is a very, very interesting prospect. Um, he's got the physical traits. I mean, he's he'll be really intriguing. Yeah, I don't even know about like the physical traits necessarily. He's, he's just he's just huge, crazy arm talent. Yeah, and he's, he's you know he's got the size like he's he's tall, he'd fine height. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we'll see. But yeah, that's about all we got for college today. Wait, we got so, one more. Oh, do we? Oh my. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Our five Power Five conference champions for next season. Sam, do you want to start? Yeah, uh, for the SEC, I think this is the Bama bounce back year. Uh, you know, I think Ty Simpson is my pick to to be the quarterback that takes it over, and I think he's going to bring an element of arm talent that uh, Jalen Milrow doesn't necessarily have. So I think Bama's going to take the SEC. Uh, I think this is the year. FSU takes the ACC. I think Cade Klubnick is not the guy that people in the building think he is. And uh, the rest of the roster is, is going to take a step back like we've seen the last two years. So I think this is the year that FSU finally takes the ACC. Uh, the other side of the conference is weak with North Carolina and, and you know Miami, Virginia Tech, whoever. So I think FSU gets the ACC. Uh, Ohio State. Ohio State takes the Big Ten. This is the year, like me and you just agreed, Michael, that, that Ryan Day takes down Harbaugh in Michigan and Ohio State takes there. Um, Pac-12 is really interesting. A lot of good teams. Not often we see a repeat or, you know, continuous winner like like Utah. So I'm going to say that Oregon does it this year and takes the Pac-12. 
but I could still be wrong. It could be like Michael Penix in Washington. We'll we'll see. That's gonna be a really intriguing conference. And then lastly in the Big Twelve, man, that's also an interesting one. A lot of depth there, but the top kind of takes a step back. I'm gonna say Texas takes the Big Twelve title with uh, Quinn Ewers taking another step forward in that roster of stacked recruiting class and transfers. Uh, Adonai Mitchell coming from Georgia uh, uh, adds to a stacked receiving core. So I think Texas takes the Big 12, and those are my five picks. Yeah, mine are pretty similar. Um, I have faith in Quinn Ewers. I'm taking Texas to win the Big um, the Big 12. I think the Big 12 is always something very interesting um, as the season plays There's out. There's always surprise teams in the Big 12 that just come out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, I think Texas is a bit of a too predictable to be what actually yeah. the Big 12. But right now I'm going to yeah, go with Texas. Um, going to the Pac-12, I think the Pac-12 for me personally is probably the hardest to predict. Um, just It's going to be the most fun to watch, though, I think. I think there are a lot of teams at the top of that conference that could very easily find their way into that, that uh, Pac-12 like, title game. Um, Colorado yeah. champion in their first year? Yeah, uh, no, not happening. Uh, <laughs> you got Utah, USC, um, you know, we just talked to you, said Oregon. Um, Oregon State. Now, since I picked Oregon State to make the playoffs, uh, I'll take Oregon State just to stay consistent there. But I could very easily see USC um, also winning as well. Beaver train all the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Bo Nick stays at Oregon as well. It's, it'll be very, very interesting. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, the Big Ten, like we said earlier, uh, I think Ohio State gets it done. Way too many weapons, um, like at wide receiver. Uh, I think Ryan Day gets, you know, his, his revenge. Um, and then in the SEC – uh, I, I'll take Bama as well. I think it's honestly a toss-up between Bama and Georgia. It is, yeah, it's definitely a toss-up. B- it, Bama has the harder path to get to the championship, but assuming they make it there, I think they can take down Georgia. But they are going to have to go through a little bit of a gauntlet like this year with Tennessee and LSU. Yeah, and then uh, in the ACC, I I think I got Clemson. I think that's. I mean, it's a fair pick. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I it just, think- it hinges on Clay, on Cade. Yeah, I think FSU is like a top a top three team in the ACC next year, but I think Cade does enough um, for them. You know, Dab- Dabo hasn't had like the season we've known him to. to yeah. You know, like he hasn't been the coach we've not, we've known him as the last few years, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think that their defense is just a lot better than FSU's. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll see how it progresses, though, because Clemson is losing more on the defensive side than FSU is. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like for me, it's it's very hard to to see an FSU team that you know didn't cover against a Florida team. Right. Yeah. No. I not, think, not a lot of good teams covered in that bowl games, though. Like I, I can't judge a, a preseason well, was, pick off of what they did in their bowl game. Well, no, I was saying against UF. Like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. When we came into dope, we were missing like five receivers, and we still covered and and obviously you know it's a great win for that fsu program a much needed win but i think you know that th- that's a game where to me you have to prove that if you if you really are serious about being a playoff contender the next year that that's a team uh, that our team should have been put away in that game i think richardson like, yeah i think weird stuff always happens in rivalry games though i mean we can never throw out the factor that you just you can really take your game to another level when yeah, you're playing somebody you have that much animosity for yeah, at the end of the day, I think my pick is Clemson. Um, should also be interesting in ACC. But, yeah, we got Bama, Clemson, Oregon State, Texas, and Ohio State. You know, funny enough, that was my five as well. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Was it now? Yeah. Wow, I mean, cool. I think we all know it's going to come down to Clemson and FSU in the ACC. I don't see North Carolina making a play from the other side of the conference. So, whichever of the two teams comes out of that division, I think, is going to. Yeah. Is anyone else going to five? 
I had pretty much the same as Sam. We were talking about earlier today. It's pretty yeah, much the that's same. Yeah, really good discussion. <laughs> All right, I think uh, right, well, to move on to the soccer segment. So basically, Rohan has just updated me live on a new transfer that just got locked in, uh, Milan Skriniar to PSG. This guy is a unit of a center back. Uh, this guy makes PSG really dangerous. A lot of teams have been trying to get him, a lot of Premier League teams. And the fact that he's gone to PSG makes him a lot more dangerous because he is like not not necessarily as old as some of the other defenders that they have. Uh, he gives them a lot of depth, and that's, I mean, a, that's a big move. Him and Sergio Ramos at the back just really like fortifies the, the back line of PSG. And Marquinhos and Kempembe too. They have two sets of like elite yeah. center back duos now. Yeah, I mean, if PSG doesn't you know do anything in Europe and you know it's not successful in the French league, that it just goes to show what an absolute failure of a team that they are. Yeah. But yeah, uh, there's some other, you know, some transfer news. Uh, this was just uh, updated now by Mr. Fabrizio Romano, the Milan Screen Yard news. But some other news, we got uh, Trossard making his move to Arsenal from uh, from Brighton, I believe, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, we've already seen him start a few games and he's been performing pretty well. Uh, Dan Juma uh, to Tottenham. He got a goal today in the FA Cup match versus Preston. So good for him. Uh, we got Jan Summer to Bayern, which is a little bit of a surprise move. Uh, basically confirming that he is Manuel Noir's replacement. Um, so let's see, you know, where, how long Manuel stays with the uh, with Bayern. Uh, obviously, he's one of the legendary keepers in in uh, history. Um, so yeah, let's see let's see what uh, happens in 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 Bayern. And uh, besides players, we have uh, Lampard, the manager of Everton, and Sean Deitch, I believe is how you pronounce the name, the manager of Ajax. Ajax gets sacked. Uh, based on bad form. Uh, so let's see what, what they end up doing. I think uh, Sean Dyche is making a move to Everton. I think uh, Fabrizio Romano reported that uh, there's contract negotiations in place to uh, secure Lampard's replacement by another manager who was just sacked in the Eredivisie. So let's see what happens there. But um, that's just some quick transfer updates. Uh, oh, another quick thing that happened with my team, Juventus. Uh, we are loading out the U.S. men's national team player, Weston McKinney, to Leeds in the Premier League. Um, the Leeds management is basically building the U.S. men's national team and pitting them against uh, the Premier League. Uh, so let's see what happens over there. I mean, this is great training for, for the U.S. men's national team, I guess, for the World Cup in Copa America, which is going to be happening pretty soon. But uh, should be interesting. Wish him the best. Um can't wait to see what he does there and looking forward to see what Leeds will do uh, later in the season. But uh, with that, we're going to kind of shift over uh, to one of the better competitions in the world. I would say, you know, there's a lot of talk about college football, the NFL, but uh, you know, in soccer, there's two very prestigious trophies that a lot of teams have to have to compete for, which is the Champions League and the Europa League. And, you know, they we're going to start talking about the Champions League next season, but this season, this week, we're going to talk about the Europa League. A couple key games coming up uh, in the next few weeks. We got Man United versus Barcelona, Juventus versus Dons, Salzburg versus Roma. Um, I don't know if y'all have been, you know, doing any research, but who do you think is the most likely upset for the next round? Today, I'll start with you. Um, honestly. The Manu versus Barca game is intriguing because right now both teams are in great form. Uh, it's hard to pick like a real underdog for that game, but I do give the slight 
favor to Barcelona to be the favorites. So I will pick Man United to upset them. I just think that that's going to really be a tactical battle, a classic tactical battle. You look back to the Champions League final back in the day, uh, the likes of Messi just carving up Sir Alex Ferguson. I feel like this is our chance to, you know, redeem ourselves for some some horrible results against Barcelona in Europe in the past. And so I'm really excited for Man United to prove themselves. Uh, I think Ten Hag is going to have his guys uh, really, really ambitious to get that trophy in year one. Um, the other matchups like Juve and Nantes, I think Juve is a, an extremely desperate team right now. I don't see them, you know, taking this matchup lightly at all. Uh, they're not going to overlook Nantes. They need to take care of business there. And Roma as well. Uh, Jose Mourinho have a hard time choosing any other team to upset him in a in a competition this important. So you know, actually, Roma are underdogs to to beat Salzburg right now, which is why I'm picking Roma to be my most likely upset. Oh, wow. Based on what you said, you know, I don't think Jose Mourinho is anyone to you know to to doubt. I think with the right players, with the right tactics in mind, and you know, with the with the right strategy. I think there's nothing that can stop him from, you know, building a Roma side that can beat Salzburg. And with the likes of Zaniolo, who is not, you know, going to leave Roma, it looks like now. Um, I just think that, you know, this Roma team has what it takes to beat Salzburg, who look kind of depleted, in my opinion. But does anyone else have uh, anything to offer? Any, uh, Michael, who do you think? I don't really have much analysis to offer in terms of the most likely upset. Um, who I think should win or is going to win the whole thing, though, I, I think it's it's going to be Barca. Because, oh, really? you know, I had a little Tweety Bird tell me before this that, you know, Barca is not going to necessarily slip up against a team like Man U. Um, you care to kind of maybe explain what they were getting at there? I mean, yeah, Barcelona look like the most formidable team in the Europa League right now. Um, they're on a tear in, in La Liga. They just won... Um, the Spanish League Cup, I think, versus Real Madrid. And now they're in the semifinals uh, in the Copa del Rey. They look unstoppable with Xavi at the helm. Um, they're they're out to buy Jao Cancelo from Manchester City. And if they do get him in the fullback position, that will really fortify their defense. And he's the type of player that will kind of, you know, shift the ball from uh, from the back and, you know, kind of play it to the, to the forwards. So I think, you know, with him being an integral part of their project. If they do secure him, you know, it's going to be really hard for anyone to be this Barcelona side. But I do think Manchester United will beat them. I think because of Marcus Rashford's current form, I think Manchester United pull away with a very narrow victory in the first leg and a draw in the second leg. That's how I see this game. Uh, that's the only way I see Manchester United beating Barcelona. And I do think it's going to happen. If I were to pick anyone besides Juventus to win, it would be between the game of Manchester United versus Barca, which is the first game in the knockout stage. So I think the winner of the Manchester United-Barca game will eventually win the Europa League. Hey, do you care to explain to me real quick how that works? So are these the three knockout So it, So right now, this is the round of 32. Uh, okay, okay. So, so there's, there's a lot there's a lot so of there's a lot more games, okay. yeah. And it was it was extremely unfortunate for Man United to draw the tie, the tournament favorites in the round of 32. Mm-hmm. Like we're supposed to be playing some poverty franchise from like Croatia or like not a non-power five, you know, power five European <laughs> league. You know what I mean? So 
We'll see. We'll see what's going on. So how does that drawing process work? Is that like it's basically okay? So imagine a table, right? Mm -hmm. And in on the table, there's like five or six bowls. That's they call it pots. Mm -hmm. And in those pots, there's a ball, and in those balls, there's names of teams. And they draw like each they they draw like a team from each pot, and that's how like the groups are decided. And then once the groups are decided, then they do like another whole process to to do like the matchups. Okay, so how do they determine what teams are in each pot, or is that just random? I think it has to do like what like so. For instance, you can't have um more than one team from the same league in the same group. So okay. like you can't have two teams from the Premier League in Group A. Okay. So like from that, they like put like one team from the Premier Group A, one team from the Italian League in Group A. Okay. And they go like they go like that. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, what's cool about the Europa League is you get teams from like from countries that are not customarily talked about in in soccer. So you get teams from like an Israel team, an Israeli team, um what what other countries? Like a Ru- like Russia, like if they were competing, like a Russian, the Russian league, the Ukrainian league. Um, I'm pretty sure like Croatian teams, Austrian Austrian teams making a Salzburg, for example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there is there's a lot of um you know a lot of exposure if you were to make the Europa League, which is making it kind of a more prestigious tournament than it was before for these you know younger teams and teams that aren't as popular. But I so going back to the original thing. I think that honestly, if I'm like being super unbiased, I think Barcelona will win. My second place will be Manchester United, and my third place will be Juventus. Who do you think of the day? Yeah, I mean it's hard to disagree with you the way Barca are playing. Um, between I uh, have Juventus at three. Uh, I agree with what you said about the winner of Man U Barca having the edge to win it all. Um, honestly, though, for me, just from a historical standpoint, uh, we're seeing unprecedented things happening with the Juventus right now. And it's hard for me. Like for me, the story is sort of circulating in my head. Uh, this is a desperate team that needs to win the Europa League more than they've ever needed to win any competition, you know, in the past for, for to ensure their club's survival. So something like this is rarely ever at stake. And Man United and Barca have already, like Barca's already won the Copa del Rey. United are in the mix to win two different domestic cups. Like right now, I think that Juventus is going to, you're going to see like a sort of not like helpless desperation, but you're going to see a different sort of mentality from Juventus that you're going to see from Manu and Barca. So I think that it's going to be the winner of Manu and Barca against Juventus in the final. And I don't know, I, I'm going to call Manu to win the whole thing just because I'm a fan. We're in great form and. No, there's not much reason besides the fact that we're playing Barcelona. But beyond that, if we make it past them, I am very comfortable saying that we can make it to the final. I yeah. mean, I, I quickly, I just for our viewers who don't know exactly what's happening with Juventus, we basically took a we incurred a 15 point penalty for faking our like accounting books, which I'll put my hands up and say we probably did it. But a 15 point deduction is one of the harshest punishments which I've, I've ever seen in any European league. For a team, you know, who has given so much to the Italian league and has so has given so much to Europe to European football, like for UEFA and to allow this to happen, and for the Italian league to allow this to happen, is a disgrace. And we have seen, you know, an out like a, an unbelievable like amount of people canceling their their subscriptions to to like these uh websites to watch Juventus, like the Zone and Sky Sports. We've seen 
I think they've lost over like 20 million euros just in cancellation revenue. So, you know, we are responding in terms of fans. We are taking the appealing process very seriously, but it is what it is. And like Vinay said, the only reason why, like to to rephrase, the way that we survive, the only way that we survive continuing forward is by qualifying for the Champions League. And the only way we do that with the 15-point penalty, is by winning the Europa League. So, like you said, we are going to be desperate to win it. I do think we can do it, but it's just it's just very difficult for me to... Like, obviously, I want to believe in my team, and obviously, I will always have them winning, but without being, like, super biased, I just think with the likes of Manchester United and Barcelona and their current form right now, it's just very difficult for me to, you know, have Juventus winning. But let's see what like let's see what you said. You see, you said you said you see Juventus in the in the final thing, the winner of Manchester United Barca. So if that were to happen, that'll be a, a that'll be a fantastic final. And I think uh watchers of the Champions League who don't necessarily watch Europa League will be tuning into that. But but yeah, yeah. what what I, are you gonna say, Michael? Yeah, I had a follow-up question. Um, outside of you know Juve and you and Barca, who are the other formidable teams that you know could possibly win the Europa League? Uh, I mean, not many. I mean, like, you know, like we were talking about, the Europa League is kind of, you know, allowing teams from countries that, you know, are not super popular, like the Croatian League and the Austrian League. Um, I think, you know, a team like Roma, who won the Conference League last year under Jose Mourinho, who, you know, have players like Dybala in good form, Tammy Abraham in good form. I think they're a formidable team. Um, Arsenal. Arsenal's in there. Arsenal. Arsenal, are dangerous. They're yeah. currently first in the Premier League, um, but right now they're in like a little bit of a of an identity crisis. I think, you know, with these new signings, and I think Mikel Arteta just needs to, you know, find his correct starting eleven. And I, I think their title race is going to take them out of contention for this. Yeah, I agree. I, I think they can do both. Yeah, they're currently in what two competitions in the Europa League and. No, they're in three. They're in the Europa League, they're in the Premier League, and they're in one cup competition left. Yeah. I just think the pressure is going to boil over for them, and I don't think Mikel Arteta is going to be able to take Arsenal to, to the glory that they were expecting. Yeah, that, that is another thing I do want – maybe the last question I'll ask is, yeah. you know, it's a very interesting dynamic we don't really often get to see in a lot of, of sports that we get to cover um, on, on the pod, like, for instance, in college football or the NFL, where, you know, teams are playing in, in multiple leagues. There's multiple – different like super complex dynamics that they have to take into consideration how does that kind of play into you know how teams are preparing do you prepare less for for games in the europa league if you're already doing so well in the prem or or how does how does that trade-off kind of work is there how big is that trade-off i mean it really depends on the manager so if let's say i was the manager of arsenal i would kind of break down the competitions i'm in by importance i would say the prem is the most important i would say any European competition is followed very closely behind it than any cup competition is below that. So I would put more of my focus into preparing for the, the my league, so the Premier League, and for any European competition, whether that be the Conference League, Europa League, or Champions League. Um, in some cases, the Champions League may be more important than the league. In some cases, the league may be more important. In some cases, the, the cup competitions may be more important, but... I would say across the board, I would say the league is your, your most important then followed by the European and the Cups. Going into the the preparation, I would say it w- I would say it's pretty much the same depending on the team that you face, uh, depending on, you know, the tactics of the other team and how they line up against, you know, 
team similar to yours. Um, I can't really speak to like the exact, you know, preparation. I would say the training is the same. The tactics are a little bit different, but again, you do approach these games a little bit differently depending on the competition. Yeah. I, just to, just to add to that, I think that it certainly depends on where the club's position is throughout the season. So it's definitely a flexible thing. You don't start the season saying, Hey, this is the most important. This is the most important. This is the most important. Right. Depending on how your season goes, things can go up and down that ladder of importance. Say, for instance, that you're not guaranteed top four. You're not in the contention for top four in the domestic league. Right. Um, and you're a big club like a Chelsea or a Tottenham. or a, Like Juventus, for example. Exactly. Your focus, right? Then yeah. all of a sudden the domestic cup becomes crucial because that's your only salvage point for a failed season, basically, mm-hmm. in the Premier League. And same goes for like a Europa League for a team that, you know, is not in contention to win in their domestic league, the Europa League suddenly becomes their only way to salvage. So these these uh, competitions that at the beginning of the year are trivial become obvi- all of a sudden so necessary mm-hmm. because they're the only way to salvage seasons for teams that have so much money, so much on the line. We're, so. we're seeing this right now for Juventus, for example. So yeah. like I said, you took a 15-point penalty, which makes it extremely difficult to make you know the top four to qualify for Champions League next season. And the only way to do that Mm-hmm. is by winning the Europa which League. Which is the, the end goal, right? The which champion, is the yeah, end goal, yeah. yeah. The reason why we focus so much is because... The, the reason why we focus so much on qualifying for the Champions League is because of the funding we get from UEFA and from the league when we do qualify. It's like the reward you get. Yeah, so now this is kind of like the only path you can really Exactly. Take, right? Because of the penalty, we, yeah. we don't we don't have enough points to compete yeah. with, the, with the other top four teams, yeah. which is why we're putting more of a focus on the, the Europa League than the league itself. Yeah. Is, like Vinay said, it's a very flexible thing depending on where you are in the season and what extraneous factors, um, you know, are, can arise during the season. Yeah, I think this has been a really, really interesting discussion, to be honest. Um, and, you know, in a similar light to, you know, how a lot of these teams have to shift their focus. So let's shift ours here um, and get to the guest segment. So, um, Connor, you care to kind of take it away yourself? Go for it. Yes. All right. So upcoming very soon, we're going to have a uh, special uh little branch off episode it's very um, unique nothing like we've seen yet in these mini episodes and and nothing that's quite expected frankly yeah, you'll but never guess there's be zero percent chance you're going to guess what's going to be up coming up but i we think don't even, we don't even know yeah, we yeah, don't even yeah, know yeah, no, no, yeah. this is going to be a surprise for everybody every viewer everyone other than us we've got another guest coming on and we've just got yeah. a very interesting event film because of some recent events coming or not recent events some current events coming soon but yeah yeah, it's, it's, it's gonna anything be, else you want to say about this little mini uh, mini special we got coming? I'm trying not to spoil it. I'm trying to think of a fun word to, you know, maybe give a hint, but I think it's better if it's just going to be a surprise. I like it. No, leave, leave the audience in suspense. I like that. I like yeah. that. Yeah, it'll be good. You guys won't expect it. And, um, you know, maybe it's a little refresher. You know, we don't want to yeah. always just hammer everything in your head, the same topics every week. Mm-hmm. For the fans of the minis, this will be a, a great little experience for you guys and and who knows maybe you end up liking it and we we can roll with this also because these mini episodes are for just us to have fun and you know talk about everything that we don't get to cram into here so i'm I'm, yeah we're excited to bring this to you and for you to meet another special guest so yeah thank you that was a great you know little preview of our mini special you got coming and with that let's move into the last segment of today which is our best bets you know um connor just went connor actually's had a, a very good betting week so yeah. i'm gonna let him go first with our best yeah, bets what do you got that, uh, for the best bets well let's first talk about that little uh 
comment he said about the uh, good streak on the betting on that Knicks game when they played against the Celtics. I was uh, I was out and I I, I saw it was a it was a live bet I did. The Knicks were down. It was like maybe two points down, but the the odds the odds were really like high. So I was like, you know, do you remember what? what it was? I think it was down by two, and it was like somehow like plus six hundred, like right? Plus six hundred six fifty. So I was like, you know what? That sounds a little too good to be true. They're only down by two, and I ended up winning a good. Well, you won sixty dollars, yeah, sixty bucks off of like a little so, little bet. Yeah, so me and him and a couple other friends that we have. We all have like a little bet inside our, you know, our chat that we have that yeah. Connor, who previously has not been a very good better, would make more than twenty dollars on Fliff by April first because that's how bad day. that he's been. And he had eighteen dollars in his account, put it all on the live bet on Knicks plus yep. six hundred, and cashed for sixty two. <laughs> yeah, it might have been even more. Uh, yeah, that was. Can we get a quick round of applause? Yeah, exactly. So we got a real pro sports better here about to give this. <laughs> you know what? It, it, it started that, off that was the coming out party. Yeah, that's the coming out party. It started off rusty, but now it's starting to heat up. So, let's, so, so what are your three picks for today to build off your momentum? All right. The three picks I have for today is we're going to – obviously, I'm going to say at least one for the, you know, the championships coming up in football. I think – you know, maybe differentiate from you guys. I'm gonna say the Bengals. I, th- I, I the money line or yeah, the spread. I, I'll take uh, the money line. I think I think that that plus 105 is really nice. I think sure. I, I, that, yeah. I think Joe and all of them could bring it up. Uh, for the next two, I'm gonna deviate because I know you guys don't talk about hockey very much. I think we've had this might be the first hockey commentary we've had to be honest. Maybe or Vinay's given us a little bit in the best. I'm a big I'm a big Canucks fan, you know. So. Yeah, Vinay's given us some hockey, yeah, but this yeah Canucks we're gonna get some warm, warm some more. Hockey. They won last night. Yeah, they beat the what do you call it pretty bad. All right, Maple so Leafs. I'm a yeah I'm gonna go the Maple Leafs money line, which is uh minus one sixty five. Holy Hmm? Go Leafs. Yeah, go Leafs. Yeah, he's a Bills fan, too. It's like the closest thing, right? <laughs> Toronto? I don't know. How close is that to Buffalo? It's pretty I close. I guess you would say it's pretty yeah, close. Right? Yeah. And then I'm going to take the Boston Bruins money line for uh, plus 110 because they're top of their uh, division right now. And I think even though sometimes they, they're a little inconsistent, they randomly pop out and demolish one of the other top teams. So I think it's just a pretty a good pick for especially since they're not favored to win. I think they're gonna come out on top and you you can get a but hey, is he speaking facts right now? You're the only other person on here who has any ho- knowledge of hockey to, as far as um, I know. Is is he for, speaking facts right now? Honestly, like my knowledge of hockey is betting on puck lines. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not really sure what they are, but they tend to cash a lot. <laughs> That's why I rock with hockey, you know, because of the puck line. And so, yeah, the puck line. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see if those three hit. We'll definitely, or I'll, I'll let you guys know next week what his, his record is. Uh, Michael, what are your, what are your uh, bets looking like this week? You know, I'm actually going to go to Rohan just to keep the kind of same order. It's more of like a, a yeah, good yeah, Rohan, what are you looking like this week? Yeah. Um, obviously, last week we didn't have our best bets. I think I kind of have to address what happened last week. That was we on. still haven't done my my for my uh you know forbidden. Yeah. yeah so forbidden last action. week we were supposed to have our guest uh, Jonah on 
for his UFC segment, and we're going to talk about our best bets. Unfortunately, in the in the heat of the moment and the setting up, I forgot to press record, <laughs> and we lost like about twenty five minutes of footage. So, At least <laughs> we will we will definitely be having Jonah come back on. Drop, yeah, he'll he'll be back. Drop punishments in the comments. Get the <laughs> punishments. Yeah, now we'll we'll have some UFC analysis yeah, in the well, near future for sure. And speaking about punishments, these guys still haven't done their punishment for losing the TCU wager. I will never forget about that. Until and now I have to get punished for going over three last on week. Yeah, five. so on net, Sam has to do two punishments, and the rest of us have one. And the rest of us have one. <laughs> for the best half of last week i'll do a punishment yeah, yeah, yeah. but so, uh in the comments please like we've been begging y'all there have been no <laughs> please put some comments on some punishments we will do it we'll it'll it'll yeah, be no, like the it. start of the show we'll do it yeah, um, yeah. but um but yeah, yeah. post on tiktok or something drop, drop your three left no, leaders so last <laughs> or last week i went one for three which makes my aggregate eight for 15 not the best but also not the worst um, I mean, it's above 500. I mean, yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, hopefully going to make it three for three this week. So my lock of the week is a line that isn't even up yet, but will be up shortly. It's the Manchester. It's on the Manchester United Crystal Palace game on February 4th. I'm taking Marcus Rashford, anytime goal scorer. Uh, he was the first player in history to go 10 for 10, uh, 10 goals in 10 games at home uh, just today, actually. And uh, he has never let me down. So I think, you know, he will continue to, to score. He will continue to keep his good run of form and uh, against a formidable Crystal Palace team, which uh, Manchester United couldn't get the better of um, a few games ago. I think um, Marcus Fasher will sub up to the plate is that, and put one in the back of the net. Is that 10 and 10 specific to Man U? Specific home? to Man U. Okay, at home. At home. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Surprised no other guys have done it. Yeah. So that's my, that's my lock of the week. Um, and that's my first bet. My second bet is a Victor Ossiman of Napoli, uh, as any also an anytime goal scorer versus Roma at plus one fifty. That this guy is on a tear. Um, he, you know he wears like a mask on his face that makes him look like Batman. And uh, you know, put the shiny steel. It's like it's like a like a, I think he broke his nose or something, or like he broke oh, his face. Oh, it's like the, the the one LeBron. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. So he's channeling like his inner LeBron energy right yeah. now, and he's tearing up the the Italian league right now. Um, and I just don't think Chris Smalling can can handle the likes of Victor Ozyman. If Grayson Bremer can't handle Victor Ozyman, I don't think that Chris Smalling can. So I have him as an anytime goal scorer plus one fifty. And my last bet is the Leche money line versus Cremonese. If you hadn't heard of any of these teams, it's okay. Uh, these teams are in like the bottle of the barrel at in the city uh, Italian league. But I think the plus 195 is a fantastic line for Leche. Cremonese haven't won a game in the league this season since August. They haven't won any games. And Leche are not that bad of a team. The last time they played, they, got, they ended as a 1-1 result. And... It was a very close game, and I think Leche will, you know, just be more clinical and uh, close out the game uh, the next time around when they play at home. I think they play at home, but uh, but yeah, regardless whether they play home or away, I think Leche will will handle Cremonese the next time around. The lines are plus one ninety five. I think that's a gross line to take and uh, something to look forward to. So yeah, those are my three for this week, and we'll update you uh, next time around. Yeah, so uh, I guess I can go next. So, you know, with the transparency that, you know, our, our best bet segment and our UFC segment got kind of 
not deleted because they never got recorded, but uh, that y'all couldn't see those. Um, I'm still sitting at nine and 15, nine out of 15 um, overall. Um, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll recap uh, week five. So I, pre- I predicted the Siena Saints to beat Niagara, uh, which they did 70 to 64. Um, shout out the Siena Saints. Uh, Clay really flopped. He only got 14 points after, you know, dropping like over 30. I know Curry came back. That definitely hurt his production more than I expected. Um, and then lastly, the Chargers at minus two. Um, Sam and I said, you know, last time when we thought we were recording. We in my TikTok rant that I posted on the official page, I was I was extremely pissed off that the Chargers could not cover. Yeah, we don't really want to talk about it. So I'm, I'm nine out of 15 now, but this week I'm hoping to get back on track. So I got Brentford Moneyline versus Southampton. Honestly, not too much reasoning here. This is one of those bets where you're just kind of like, okay, Brentford, I, I've bet Brentford in a couple of parlays, and you know they're one of the few teams that actually hits in most of those. Can I actually, can I actually talk about this? Yeah, I think this is a great line to take because Ivan Tony's been in a great run of form, and Southampton have have lost like two out of the last three games. So, um, well, there you go. Yeah, I think I think the Brentford money line is a fantastic line to take. At yeah, time. I'm also taking the under in the Eagles Niners game. Um, I think that's going to be a defensive battle. Um, like we said earlier. Um, Brock Purdy, I don't really have a ton of faith in him. Neither did, did Vinay. Um, you know, I that's you know that's a game where a twenty-four to twenty-three scoreline would, would the over would hit. I don't even think it gets to that that point. I think this is just a defensive battle um, all the way through. Um, I think you know whichever team can really start hot, it's going to be hard for for the opposing team to kind of come back. Um, and then lastly, uh, I'll take the Chiefs money line, kind of uh, in opposition to Connor. I think uh, Patrick Mahomes finally beats Burrow and the Bengals. Um, and yeah, also, just as a side note, um, right after this video, I think we're going to be placing a couple of first touchdown score um, parlays between those two games. Should be pretty fun. Um, I definitely, I don't know, I saw that one guy who, who got all four correct um, in the divisional games. Um, he put like $5 on it, got all of them right, and he got like a $72,000 W, paid off all his college loans. So you know, we're, that's we're, what we're trying to do. Yeah, we're in college right now. So maybe we do something similar, but uh, we, we shall see. But Sam, how about you? I know you're, I'm looking at your first pick and it's very similar to one of mine. It's actually the same as one of mine. Yeah. Mike, Michael and I are, are locked in on the, the chiefs money line. Uh, you know, as much as I think that the Bengals are a loaded roster, I just am a hater. You know, I just naturally am a hater. I hate on Joe Burrow. I hate on Jamar chase, I hate on the Bengals. So, you know, my hating instincts inside of me are telling me to take the Chiefs. Kind of just been a Patrick Mahomes fan. I don't know. He's got me really sucked sucked into to being a close fan of him and the and the, you know somewhat of the Chiefs after my after my Dolphins. After my Dolphins, I'd say the Chiefs are my favorite team. Yeah, he just he really has a way of sucking me in. So, um, yeah, so Chiefs money line for uh, the first pick, and then we move on to Niners plus three. I think the Niners could very well beat the fraudulent Eagles and you know, Jalen Prodderts, but um. Yes, yeah, so I think the Niners plus three. Brock Purdy, Brock Pergoat is going to come through and and really clutch up with the All Pro team that he has around him. Basically, the NFL All Star team. Sam, I do have to ask you about this last one I'm reading here in the notes. Uh, you have Joe Burrow over eleven and a half passing touchdowns. <laughs> oh, what's what's what's? Is this? I'm pretty sure you tried to say completions or something. Oh, one Someone and a edited half. that. Yeah. Yeah, alternate spread Patrick Mahomes over 10 and a half touchdowns, pa- touchdown passes thrown. Um, it's a lock <laughs> now. Uh, it was supposed to be Joe Burrow over one and a half touchdown passes. Uh, the Chiefs defense actually played pretty good against the Jaguars, but they still let up 20, uh, 20 points. 
Joe Mixon hasn't really been able to get it going this playoffs at all. Not against the Bills, not against the, the Ravens. You know, he's kind of struggled. Uh, but, you know, he sure runs that mouth a lot for someone who doesn't quite make an impact on, on the field anymore. But, no, uh, you know, he's not really doing it, getting it done. So I think Joe Burrow is going to kind of take over and just he's going to do it through the air. Uh, one and a half passing touchdowns against a subpar Kansas City defense. And in what I think could be a high-scoring affair uh, does seem like my lock of the week. Other than that, um, Chiefs money line and Niners plus three. Those are my three. Looking to bounce back from that horrendous 0 for 3 week I had that put me at 6 for 15 uh, so far on the, I guess, on the year, on our betting yeah, year. What's, what's your lock of the week? Uh, Joe Burrow, one and a half touchdown passes. All right, fantastic. Yeah, right. so th- those are my three. Uh, Vinay, wrap us up, man. All right, yeah. So essentially, you know, I'm going to preface my best bets by saying that I specifically wore my Michael Jordan Birmingham Barons jersey because – he is a legendary gambler, and I'm channeling that energy today. Uh, I got legendary is a bit of a stretch. Didn't he get kicked out of the NBA for gambling? I mean, you know, there was some controversy, but <laughs> he has been known to be like a compulsive gambler. Which, you know, shout out to shout out to MJ for that. I guess I don't know, but uh, basically, I'm taking Grand Canyon money line against Tarleton State. This is a college basketball line. Um, yeah, I just think you know the Grand Canyon is something that. I think it's just an American icon. Uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful place to visit. And when I saw this line and I saw Grand Canyon, it spoke to me. It's at minus 140. Uh, so I took that smash Grand Canyon money line. You know, just do it. Do it for the national yeah. parks. Do it. Do it for yeah. American beauty. Um, this next one is a special shout out to a hater that hit me up randomly the other day at 8 a.m. Uh, calling me like a disgusting Saints fan, some random guy from uh, from Pennsylvania. And so I'm assuming that he knew that I'm a Saints fan from this podcast. So I guess I'm talking directly to you. And, you know, since the Saints aren't playing, I'm going to rock with the New Orleans Pelicans, minus five and a half against the Washington Wizards tonight at plus 105. This one specifically for this random hater that hit me up. You know, I hope you keep watching. I'll keep being a fan and keep watching me win. Yeah, give us that ad revenue. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. And um, finally, under two and a half for the total score in the Liverpool versus Everton. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Gets, hey, gets, yo, make sure it's fine. Right on, hold down the fort, you know. All right. Super, super oh, hold down the fort on Tinder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On, on the real, though, please subscribe. Uh, turn on those, those uh, post noties, those video noties. Uh, and just let your friends know about the pod. We're going to have some more great special guests like Connor on here very, very shortly. I know we're going to get yeah, a little pause for Connor today. Our first, yeah. our first, well, because Jonah uh, got cut out, this is our first special guest that you guys have seen. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully when we have Jonah back on again, we'll, we'll press the record button this time, but yeah, yes, Rohan, I'll get hey, it under control. Thank you for tuning in uh, until next week. See you then. Peace out. Boom.